Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and I'm delighted that you've decided to spend just a small part of your time this week with me as we interview someone who has a lot of experience, particularly in social media in government, and I look forward to speaking to him in just a moment. But as we start the show each week, we do with the definition of just exactly what content communication is. So content communication is a strategic, measurable, and accountable business process that relies on the creation, curation, and distribution of useful, relevant and consistent content. The purpose is to engage and inform a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen and or stakeholder action. So to my guest today, he's someone with a a long history in government social media communications, and his name is Elliot Franks, who currently is the social media manager for the Queensland government here in Australia. And it's a position he's held for about the last five years or so, but he has been involved in government social media way back since about 2011. He did his undergraduate degree in media, also in Queensland at the leading university, one of the great universities in Australia for media, the Queensland University of Technology. And he did spend a brief time in the private sector before jumping in to government social media. And he joins me now. So Elliot, thanks very much for joining me in Transition. No worries at all, David. Nice to speak to you. So, Elliot, just as the social media manager for the Queensland government, that sounds like a very big job. Well, it's not all of the Queensland government. (laughs) I I look after four of the departments for the Queensland government. But still, four departments, that's a lot of work. It is is a lot of work and a lot of moving pieces, um, but I just rely on a lot of good people and a good team below me to uh, make sure everything happens at the right time. And good plans? Are you a good Good, planner? um, I am a good planner. I'm I'm more of a good ideas person, and then I rely on other people to uh, fill in a lot of the small details. Okay, so listen, what we might do this afternoon is just, you know, you can settle back on the couch for a minute and just tell me, what are, the, what are the things that are keeping you up at night at the moment as the social media manager in four key government departments there in Queensland? Um, I think the, the, the scariest thing for our social media isn't even the risk that our content has. It's the risk um, of the trust we put in, into uh, the platforms we use because they can move a lot quicker than anything else going around. Um, so, say, Facebook is our, our major channel that we use for all of our communication. We're really at the whim of Facebook to do whatever they say. So that's, that's the biggest risk that keeps me up at night and uh, making sure we stay abreast of all the changes that, that happen in social media world that just moves it uh, 100 miles an hour. Yeah, indeed. And it is this perennial problem that everybody has with these dominant platforms is the fact that they are not owned properties. You know, they are somebody else's property and therefore you have to play by their rules. So given that they do play such a fundamental part in your social media communication, how do you stay on top of the changes that are made by Facebook? That's really the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, 
listening to a lot of podcasts, uh, reading a lot of blogs, um, having a lot of youth um, that we listen to as well. Um, I've been in the game now for uh, over 10 years, so I have a lot of experience, but there's a lot of people who, who use the platform in totally different ways. So make sure we listen to those people who do have great new ideas and really harnessing um, their, uh, their skills and their enthusiasm so in terms of this engagement that you do, that you do have with the platforms and this this necessity to, to be so in tune with them and, and with their effective operation, how, how often do you see the changes taking place in terms of the results and the an- analytics that you're drawing down from what, am, what I imagine are quite large platforms and quite large engaged audiences? Um, it's almost, almost constantly changes uh, between all the platforms we use. Every day there'll, there'll be a new change, um, um, whether it's a change in Facebook advertising and, and the way that works or whether it's a change in, in the, the amount of reach you're getting or, um, or the things that you can do on Instagram. Uh, it's just every single day there'll be something new. Um, so when we do see that, we'll, we'll often get together as a team and we'll talk about all the, all the different changes that have occurred. So we really do nurture that um, enthusiasm for the platforms and we can if we can get on top of the changes early that's when we can really get our best results but in terms of that how much of a risk is that the fact that you are looking as closely as you are and perhaps you know sometimes do you find yourself you know jumping at shadows that things that may appear to be a change in fact aren't a change they're an anomaly of sorts and therefore by this sort of reactive, responsive approach that perhaps sometimes you may over-index one way or the other? Oh, that's, de- that's definitely a risk. Um, but, but we see it, it more as an opportunity um, that if, if something is new and we can almost game the system in, in getting a better result, uh, then, then we'll, we'll jump at that opportunity. In terms of Facebook, it's, you know, it's the, the general... Um, consideration, truism, call it what you will at the moment, is that it's now a, a paid platform. Is that your experience? Um, yes and no. Uh, we, we still find that good content gets good reach, really, at the end of the day, even if it's paid. Um, the, the, the paid information that, that we're putting out should be good content. That being said, we do use a lot of advertising um, in when we're trying to do a lot of the community engagement uh, strategies that, that we put out. Okay. Now, in terms of, you know, what your – well, actually, one step before we talk about your teams, just could you name those departments that you're working for there in, in Queensland? Definitely. Uh, so I work for the Department of Natural Resources and Mines, Department of Energy and Water Supply, Department of Agriculture and Fisheries, and the Department of Tourism, Major Events, Small Business and the Commonwealth Games. Okay, fantastic. So really lots of visuals in that in, Definitely. in, in those four areas. So that must be a key a key play for you? Yeah, yeah, lots of visuals, um, lots lots of um, different audiences, uh, lots of different existing communities. Uh, it really keeps us on our feet. And I guess that's probably the best part of the job is that every single day I'm not doing the same thing. There's, there's always something new to do. And in terms of the way that you've integrated your team into the effective fun- functioning of these four uh, different departments, 
How have you done that? How have you established that linkage back into the the line areas and the business areas? So is it the work that you're doing is connected to the accomplishment of the objectives that have been set? Um, the biggest key is uh, building relationships with the different comms teams in every department and then building trust amongst the senior leaders of those departments. Um, so when we started uh, six or so years ago, um, there, were, there was a lot of uh, risk aversion and a lack of trust um, that that was about. So it, we just had to build those bridges, get some runs on the board and really get a lot of uh, wins for those senior leaders. So when they think of engagement, when they think of communication, they think of social media. Yeah. And in terms of that risk, would would you say that it is largely disappeared now that the you know, social media platforms have proven their effectiveness, they've, they've, they've proven their stripes and therefore there's less resistance to, to the use of social media platforms? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I personally don't think there was ever much of a risk um, or definitely not, not as much of a risk as the risk aversion would, would have, you think. Um, but, yeah, definitely there's, there's, um, there's more appetite for um, really putting yourself out there and speaking like a person and uh, getting, you know, getting the, the humorous content out there. Yeah. We'll come to that in a moment. I'm, I'm interested in that, you know, again, having a personality, having a sense of humour, indeed having a point of view in what is ultimately a, a political setting because I, I, I tend to get this sense almost around the world now that because, you know, social media is now so popular with elected public officials that that's having a, a bit of a flow-on effect as well because as the, as they are starting to see some effectiveness, although probably talking a little bit too much about themselves and what they are doing and, you know, content that's immediately and compelling to, to themselves rather than to the audience, I, how much of an impact do you think that that's had on the acceptance of the social media channels? Um, it, it's certainly helped um, and it, it's put us in with all our different ministers throughout the years. Uh, they've, they've seen the effectiveness of the work that they're trying to put out. Um, we've already got those channels uh, established. So it makes their life easier. And when you can make your minister's life easier, then it's it's better for everyone. <laughs> Very true. Life is is for uh, uh, life gets a whole lot easier. Uh, it certainly when, does you know, when when the minister's offices are are supportive of exactly what it is that you're doing. Definitely. You mentioned just in, in a previous answer this notion of humour and of having a personality and having a point of view. Just describe that for me a little more, if you may. So it really depends on the different community that we've built. We try to have personas for each of our communities, a persona for the audience of who we think they are and a persona for the, for the channel. So we try to speak like a person. Um, say on our Fisheries Queensland channel, um, we've built up a community full of people who are passionate about fishing, passionate about seafood, um, and also passionate about the rules of, of fishing, which is... Um, Believe it or not, that's that's a huge part of our community there. So for, for that one, we'll put out all the, the fishing puns. We'll put out a lot of um, fishing jokes, cartoons. Uh, we'll really not take ourselves too seriously. And that, that really plays well 
with that audience because no one really it's it's their choice to to follow you or to like you uh so we we really do respect that and and we want the people to enjoy the page they don't want to be talked at constantly they want to talk with us and just have a little bit of fun about some shared interests that we have so in terms of that persona have you have you named that particular persona internally <laughs> uh no we haven't <laughs> okay <laughs> That might be a bit of fun, you know. That, I think that to, would be. Yeah. I think that might be an activity for next week. <laughs> Give him a name because I think that's – but again, and, and this is the thing that I love so much about government communication is that within an area like fisheries, let's take that as an example, it is such a rich area for you to curate, as you obviously are, with, you know, finding the jokes and the puns and the, you know, from, from other sources, but also that originating content to be able to give – people who are interested in fishing, the insights about, well, where are the fish? Where are they running? What's the best places to do that? And that's information that you have. That, that is certainly right because we've got our fisheries office out, offices out everywhere and they know the areas better than anyone. So we utilise that for them to, to say what's biting um, and then whilst we tell them, tell people what's biting, we'll just remind them of the, of the rules as well. Yeah. Uh, so... It, the, those communities really, they build themselves. You just have to nurture them. Yeah, right. So, so there's, there's obviously many, many communities for fishing out there. We just try to have, have one that's, that's kind of in our home. So we invite people in just to have a chat about fishing. So how, how sort of niche down do you get within that community? You know, do you do inland fishing, beach fishing, uh, deep sea fishing, or do you try to sort of deal with all of the audiences uh, in in one place? Um, we we try to deal with all, all of the fishing audiences in in Queensland. Most of our fishing is is offshore, yep. uh, so that's that's the majority of our fishing. But we have a lot of different dams that that we stock, so we'll talk about those as well. Lots of different river fishing, um, but. Generally, people love fishing, love all kinds of fishing, so we kind of deal with them all at the one time. What's the content that works the best? Um, the content that works the best is actually, for, for that channel, is, yeah. uh, is the, the finds. Whenever we find someone, <laughs> that's, that's by far the best. Uh, once, once we had a, a video of um, there was uh, someone had illegally modified a boat so they could hide lots of crabs in it. And that boat couldn't be sold because it, it just wasn't safe to, to sell. So we crushed it and we, we filmed it. And that, that's by far our most popular post, watching <laughs> someone else's boat get crushed. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a sadism for people out there. They, they like seeing, um, seeing, seeing the rules be enforced. And, and when you say other finds content, it's not what people – do you tell stories of, you know – you know, we picked up X, Y fishermen who did, you know, this and yep. therefore we find them because they did, you know, took too many or, you know, too small fish or whatever, something yes. like that. G generally it's after they've been charged by the courts yep. and um, then, then we'll, uh, we'll tell people what they got charged with. We, we won't identify them because that's, that's a bridge too far, but we'll tell them what they were charged with and show some pictures and, and generally people like to share that content. Yeah, right. So in terms of your fisheries offices, because, again, this is my other sort of great or developing theory, I suppose, is this notion of distributed responsibility for communication. You know, in, in this day and age, 
really everyone is going to is a content creator, and the fact that you have this huge network of uh, fisheries officers and officials all across Queensland, all doing interesting things, probably seeing some of the most amazing sites or recording some amazing events where people have had record catches or things like that. How are you using that resource in order for you to get content um, to publish on your page? Well, that, that's probably one of our bigger wins because at first um, – those officers were, were fairly resistant to social media. Um, but, but over time, they started to see the value because people would come and talk to them about the stuff they'd seen on the fisheries page. And over time, they've, they've become our biggest champions. So they'll, they'll provide um, the what's biting. They'll, they'll send us in pictures. Um, they'll, send, they'll send us in videos of, of them meeting famous people. Um, they really are our people on the ground, and they're the people... We're, we're trying to trying to sell to the audience as as people that they that are just like them because they really are. They're, the fisheries officers are the most passionate yeah. anglers are going around. So really selling that that they're just one of them um, has has really been a big win for us. And in terms of their skills and digital skills and in making sure that they know how to use the equipment to make sure that they're taking better photos, making sure that they're understanding what a story might look like, understanding the types of angles that you might be looking for. How have you improved their skills? So in, in terms of the media collection, um, we've, we've trained them um, one-on-one. Uh, we've created uh, a few videos on how to take a video and how to take a picture, yep. um, like turning it horizontally. Yeah. Um, uh, that a lot of them are provided with with better phones as well, and that's that's really been a big change in the past few years as as um, iPhones and Samsung technology has has become all well, the cameras have become so good the the product has has improved a lot. Um, and in terms of getting the story, that's that's something that that we 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 don't struggle with, but it's it's one of the bigger challenges across all of our areas is people knowing when there's a story right in front of their nose. Yeah. Um, and us, so for, for us, it's just building the relationship with them. Yeah, so, okay. So g- getting them to send in one story and we go, that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, right. Um, give us more of that. And, and once they see it on the page, I think there's a sense of pride that they've they've created that and then, then we just get more and more from them. How, how big is that network just by the way? Um, I think there's a, over a hundred uh, fisheries officers oh, throughout wow. the state. Yeah, and and how many of them would be enthusiastic uh, uh, con- um, contributors? Yeah, it's it's not a huge portion of them. Probably twenty or thirty of them. Okay, are they competitive? Yeah, well, yeah. I think they're all competitive across all of our areas. Uh, people people really like to get their content up. Yeah, and so it, obviously that you can you know clearly see that in. Um, you know, fisheries, that's an obvious one. You know, it's an activity that people are engaged in. It's a real passion. And so, you know, you can see the content there. But perhaps in an, in an area like um, energy, like coal mining, how do you make coal mining exciting? Well, the coal mining, that, that falls under um, natural resources and mines area. Yep. And so for that area, we have um, a mining page, we have a gas safety page, and we have a uh, a land and spatial page. So in terms of the mining page, our audience for the mining page is people who work in the mining industry. 
um, because what we really want to talk about on that is about uh, what mining adds to the economy. Uh, mine safety is a huge, huge um, push for us. So we're really talking to the people who work in the industry. We're not talking to all of Queenslanders, though they're welcome to, to visit the page. Our persona there is, is someone who is within the industry. So it's, it's actually pretty easy to talk to them about coal mining because they see the benefits of coal mining. Uh, but, but and again, I suppose you know the 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 other theory around sort of narrowing audiences that we do now live in this narrow cast world because people draw to themselves the the content that they're looking for and therefore it is quite narrow. How do you deal with with that? That the fact that you have to deal with you know quite narrow and specific audiences on on the one hand, but then on the other hand, you know, looking at say tourism and fisheries, they're much larger audiences. How do you how do you balance those two demands? Um, well, we find that the narrow audiences are, are generally the ones who are more passionate. So we don't really worry if um, if there is a if there's a perceived small audience um, because generally those people are very passionate about that as well. Um, take our, our land and spatial page. When we first started that, it was mainly for land valuations because that's something that everyone gets. So we wanted a channel where we could communicate about that. And then that, that grew to uh, land and spatial. So that's all people who are into mapping and old maps and uh, historical photos. And at first we thought there's, there's not going to be an audience for that at all. And it's, turn, it's turned out there's some very passionate land and spatial people who are very engaged on that channel. So whilst it's, it's smaller than most of Queenslanders, we just try and provide the valuable information to those people who are very passionate about that area. But again, how do you then access, say, the you know, the bureaucratic resources in the policy and program areas around land and spatial, how active are they in supporting you with the expertise and the content that you need to make those engagements meaningful and relevant to that passionate audience? Yep. Um, at, at first, that's always hard, but um, there's, there's a few ways. Meeting face-to-face and building those relationships is, is always the best. Um, and like the audience of, that are passionate about that within the area those people are just as passionate. So um, letting them know that they have a channel that they can communicate with like-minded people, that's worked really well. Um, so we did things like filming videos with one of the old mapping guys and he just told stories about the department and people have loved that within that area. Um, the other, other tools we have is um, we use Yammer internally yep. and, and that's been a, a really good source of, of stories because people will put out just what they're working on and we'll see that and go, that's a fantastic story. So we'll contact them and get that story up and generally that leads to more and more stories from those people as well. So across the four different departments and within those departments there's obviously multiple um, audiences that you're seeking to serve. How many pages are you servicing at the moment? Um, I think it's, it's around 60 pages currently. Wow. Um, between Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram. Okay. And then how big is your team working with that distributed resource that you have in these different areas from the fisheries officers through to the policy people in land and spatial? How yep. many people do you have on I your have three. team? Myself three. And, and two officers underneath me, yes. Oh, wow. 
Yes. Okay. We, we, we kept fairly busy. Oh, so you're spinning um, lots of plates there. We are spinning lots of plates. <laughs> so we, we have to make sure that we, we get the right people, we, we teach the right people in the right areas what we need. Um, and generally, once, once we give them a, a bit of tutelage, then they become a lot more proficient in providing us what we need. Um, and then we just use a few key uh, management tools to make sure that that emails are cut down, phone calls are cut down, and everyone's on the on the same page. Okay, we'll come to that discussion just in a minute about the tools because I'm interested in understanding the you know the not only the the platforms, obviously the social platforms you're using, but what tools you're using in you know to Im- improve the quality of, of your communication. But sure. I think I think you used a uh, something that fascinates me is around this piece of of education. So how how are you investing in that education and how are you delivering that education at the moment into these uh, diverse areas within yep. these the, the departments? Thankfully, a lot of the communication staff, when they come in, um, if they're new to government, have generally got a good idea about social media. Universities are all teaching people about social media communication now. So if someone's new to, to government, they're, they're pretty savvy on the platforms to start with. So generally we don't have to teach that. Uh, we'll just have to teach them what the kind of uh, messaging and the, the kind of content that works on the channels, um, who the key people to talk to are and how to provide it to us and, and who, what, what we can offer them as well. And who has publishing rights? Do, do you own the exclusive publishing rights for those uh, 60 pages or 60 um, channels that you've got open? Um, it does depend on the channel. Um, most of them will have final approval on there. Okay. So a lot of them, they're, they're fine, totally good to go out. We just look at it, yep, perfect ticket. Okay. So we do have a final QA on it just, just to really reduce that risk. Um, and also it's good to look over everything so we can go, all right, that's, that's going to be a, um, a possibly controversial one. Yeah. Let's make sure we're all around to monitor that. And not, not put it out on a Friday afternoon or a Saturday. <laughs> so how many sort of specific calendars would you be running across those, those, those uh, platforms, the multiple so platforms? Every, every, every single channel. Has a, um, has a calendar. Has a calendar, yes. Okay. And, and, how, and, you know, and the publishing cadence inside of those, obviously some are going to be a lot more active than others. But, yep. again, how do you determine the publishing cadence for, for the different um, – Channels. It, it it really depends on on the channel. Um, some channels it's fine to have one or two posts a day, and some channels we've found can handle four, five, or six posts a day. Um, the the more popular, more active ones, they can they can handle a, a, a lot more posts. Yeah. But but really, when it comes down to it, what we focus on is is it quality content. Um, we don't want to be putting out content for the sake of it. Uh, we we want it to always be good content. Um, obviously, that can't always happen working in government, but we really try our best to make sure that there's there's good quality content and we run it past the test. Would I put this on my wall? Would I share it? Yeah. Now, in terms of um, – and again, it sort of staggers me a little that you are running that many platforms – sorry, that many channels on that, those, that many platforms um, with so few people – how have you had the conversation yet to say, hey, look, here's the value that we're creating. Here's the benefit that we're creating. If you were to double or triple the size of my team, I would be able to realise 
far greater benefit or is are you just so busy head down, tail up, spinning plates, <laughs> making sure it's going that you just don't have time to sort of walk yourself up the, you know, the corridors <laughs> to the higher ups to say it's time? Um, I, I think that there would be value to more people, but, but we also, we have access to our designers and our video team. We have access to all the, the comms people. Um, really, there's probably more value in making sure that all those comms people who are engaged with those business areas are working yeah, okay. really well with us rather than giving us more people. Sure. Um, it's, it's, that's, that's the most important thing is, is getting those comms people in all the different areas fully engaged with what we're doing. Um, and then it, it kind of makes our life easier if, if, if they are better. Yeah. I heard a great saying this morning on a podcast and it was that constraint is fuel. And I think that's, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely right. I we, thought, we, we, we see ourselves kind of a, a, as the Marines of, uh, of the <laughs> communications world and we just make do. Yeah. yeah, well, that's it. That's it, isn't it? You've you know you got to do with what you got to do, and I, I, and again, it's this notion of getting that capability closer to the story, the communication people working in those particular line areas who can find the story, who can create the content, who can distribute it to air traffic control, as you're obviously sitting there and you're able to optimize the platforms and and be in tune with that distribution element of it, which is obviously a the fundamental part of your job. That's completely right. It's about building those relationships and educating those people because Queensland's a, it's a huge state and there's, there's people from the government all over the state. So it's, it's our job to try and get as many of those people who have a story to tell, um, give them access to those communities that we've built. And in terms of that, just as a final question, really around the sort of enthusiasm and growth of the participation of the, of the public sector of these workers, what, obviously there's enthusiasm, you know, it's growing. You know, you mentioned the fisheries officers of the 100, you know, there's there's 20 to 30 who are really keen. But as a sort of overall growth marker in terms of people wanting to participate, understanding the benefits to their job that will help them to achieve the objectives that have been assigned to them, how much growth is there and enthusiasm is there to to be involved in, in communication? Uh, it's constant, yeah, constant growth. Um, particularly, say with with a lot of our advertising campaigns as well. That's that's often a door for us to to get in there. Say they might have a biosecurity campaign where they want to reach a, a very specific target audience in a specific area, um, and we can come to them and go, you know what, social media advertising, we yeah. we can do that for you better than anyone else can. Yeah. And once they get in there, they're like, that's fantastic. And they get that really pulls them into providing us information because that gives us more people on our on our page who might like that particular um, interest area. So that, that really helps us a lot. Yeah, indeed. Now, just sorry, I'll ask you one more question. I don't want to hold you up too long. But <laughs> no, no, no worries. Just a final question around the harmonisation of the online activity with the offline activity because we still, we still know that, you know, face-to-face communications, events, mm-hmm. community consultation, yep. still very powerful, still very important. How do you harmonise the two? How do you sort of get yourself in step with that, those, that offline activity to ensure that your, your online activity is, is supporting that but also that you're feeding back from a lot of that offline activity that's taking place? Um, we bring people to those offline activities. That's, that's a lot of the value that we can add. Um, 
it's we've we've seen events that haven't they haven't told us that they're holding them so they'll they'll hold an event without social media support and not many people are turning up to them um, and then they'll come to us early we'll we'll create a strategy possibly some paid advertising um, and and we'll get a much bigger turnout offline um, because that's really how people are finding out about events people aren't reading yeah. newspapers they're not reading newsletters um, if it comes up in their feed and and it it's an event that that really is targeted towards them they'll they'll turn up to it but they're finding out from from their friends from everywhere else and from us about events on social media yeah no doubt and then on the flip side well, once the, the events are being held we we try to value add as much as possible so whether that's uh, getting a video and putting that up afterwards possibly a facebook live um, or at a minimum getting some pictures on the day uh, we try and really utilize that as well in our content yeah no yeah indeed i think that's you know massively important and i think the you know they do feed off each other no doubt that i think and there's got to be that sort of you know driving back towards whatever the objective particular objective is so as it were tie it you know exactly you know, bind it back to the business objective well mate it sounds fantastic everything going well then i think we can sort of tick the box and know that we're safely being looked after well in terms of the uh, <laughs> the content publishing business in uh, in the queensland government i'm sure you've got another boat to crush uh, <laughs> there today so i won't hold you any longer but uh, elliot franks thanks you very much for uh, spending a bit of time with us today in transition i know but the uh, audience will take a lot from that and uh, a lot of insight that they can apply in their day-to-day government communication jobs as we all get about the business of strengthening com- communities and improving the well-being of citizens through this process of content communication so thank you once again and to you the audience thanks once again for coming back for uh, another half an hour as we speak about everything content communication in government and the public sector and really what a what a fascinating um, busy world. Wouldn't you love to spend a sort of a day sitting with Elliot and his team as they sort of, you know, run the, you know, 60 channels across multiple platforms and, you know, sourcing people from all, all different parts of, you know, the wonderful and huge state of Queensland here in Australia, massive part of Australia. Uh, it would be fascinating to see. And also the decision-making process about what's in, what's going to work, what's not going to work, feeding back to the audience saying, hey, that's great, but maybe next time we could see something else or did you think of something else? So, yeah, really fascinating. So if I'm ever in Queensland, I might knock on Elliot Franks's door, the Marines as he calls them up there in Queensland doing the job so anyway audience thank you very much and i will be back at the same time next week so thank you very much and it's bye for now you've been listening to in transition the program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector for more visit us at contentgroup.com.au 